1: Guys, Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host Jake Burns. It's your Tuesday, February 14th episode, which means happy Valentine's Day to all of you who love that holiday. Not my holiday. Favorite holiday at all. Uh, you know, made up commercial holiday, if you ask me. But nonetheless, if you're a Valentine's Day man or woman, uh, enjoy. Hopefully it's a great one for you. We are going to talk about a couple simple things today and then kick it over to what I think is a really fun OBR Monday Twitch show So, what I want to hit on as a part of the regimented content is the uh, running back angle because we did free agency quarterback preview. Uh, We're kind of going to piece this together over the next month and talk about the running back position: who's out there, who's available, and you know what guys sort of uh, what guys sort of matter for the Browns if they go that route in free agency. So, if you're looking at what's to come, and I think it's funny because (laughs) an interesting off-season stuff. Brown's social, any of these social circles you find on Twitter or whatever, it just takes one, one post, it then launches a topic, and it all ultimately like takes over the the entire chatter for the day. The post that caught everybody's eye was the um, highest paid running back on recent Super Bowl winning teams. What the highest paid number was, I think it was the highest uh, producing rusher as well. So looking at what running back makes the most on the super bowl winning team and the numbers are low like the every single number was down below 2.5 million and obviously you know that this upcoming season Nick Chubb is set to have i think a 14.5 million dollar cap number we'll see if they move that or do some restructuring or what they're able to do with that number but that's a that's obviously a pretty large number after signing his extension and again if you look back like just going through recent years Isaiah Pacheco for the Chiefs had an 870,000 this was just base salary so not t- technically looking at cap number. It's an interesting way to look at it, but it's kind of like it's it's a funny way to spin this to talk about the the cheap cheap sort of value of running backs and how little they really mean to winning the Super Bowl based on how much you if you're overpaying a running back, you're you're kind of putting yourself in a little bit of a hole, not that you're knocking yourself especially with the rookie quarterback uh, deal, right, which creates opportunity at other positions. It doesn't hinder you or totally block you from winning a Super Bowl. But as things get tight, you pay quarterbacks, you're looking at the Browns, you start to say, okay, well, we got to find a way to get cheaper at some positions. And down the line, you would think the Browns would try to get cheaper at running back post Nick Chubb. Now, again, Nick Chubb is in his primes going into this season. He'll play this season, I believe, at 27, turns 28 at the very end of the season. Um, still very much in his prime they've managed his carries pretty well now the cap number jumping stinks because you don't really like paying running backs a ton of money but again this example is not perfect but it does show you Leonard Fournette Damian Williams Sony Michelle LeGarrette Blunt twice in a row between the Patriots and Eagles CJ Anderson like this is not critical to winning a Super Bowl and I think we have to start looking at that with a realistic angle. Now, a lot of people turn that conversation today into the Browns, if they got an offer for Nick Chubb, they would trade him. And maybe maybe they would. Maybe if somebody said, we'll give you a first-round pick for Nick Chubb. They would take that deal. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. I think they probably would, considering the age. People forget that the Trent Richardson trade was after his rookie year. He's still really young. A lot of unknown upside there that the Colts jumped after. A different day. No one's doing that anymore. But you see where I'm coming from he wasn't like there wasn't at that time turn richardson wasn't an older player right so that obviously played into it but you know that conversation goes crazy today and like i think i've had an epiphany over the last few years that you need running back types you don't need you don't need it. it's nice you can you you'll take it when you can get it you don't need the all american running back in your backfield um you know especially those guys who are only good Uh, really their best, I should say, as downhill, uh, under center type runners. I think Nick's value is nice. He's He's a very good football player and especially elite running back. But does that translate to wins all the time? You'd have those people argue that the 20-plus carries number goofiness does, but I'm just telling you, you can win plenty of games without elite running backs. You can't. It's nice when Nick is really good. It's also nice when Nick is really good for cheap, not really expensive. So this position is going to evolve in the next three years. You probably never thought that day would come based on how good Nick has been early in his career, but the evolution is coming. Obviously, we have, we're going to see some shakeup. There are two people on the roster, to me, who are a lock to be on it. Nick and Jerome. Now, Nick, again, something crazy could happen to trade, you never know, but Jerome Ford, fourth-round pick running back, 2021 draft, uh, excuse me, 22 draft, showed promising preseason moments, promising in-season moments, especially as a special teamer, and I do think he has value, underrated value in the passing game. He's certainly going to be on the roster and get time on that rookie deal uh, in some way, shape, or form. That leaves two other players, I think, off the roster. I think you you end up losing Kareem Hunt to free agency. Somebody may pay him, someone may not. Could be a Could be a wake-up call for Kareem, who was certainly not as productive just last season and hurt the year before a large portion of the season. So I'll be very interested to see what his free agency uh, situation shakes out looking like. And then obviously Dearness Johnson, who was back on his, um, you know, uh, they they put up a tender for him and all of that stuff went the way it went, and he was back uh, the way he was. Like, I'm not, a little less in demand. I think I'm getting that Dearness Johnson situation where I was really late. I'm sorry if I screwed that up. But he was back for a year. And I just um, think the Browns will have an opportunity to go and, and and put an offer in for him again if they want. But I think a little less in demand than I think the rest of the league. I presume the rest of the league would feel about him after his 2021 season. He didn't really do much at all in 22. He wasn't involved in, in really anything. The Browns had great running back health for the most part all season. And that plays into it. Your depth isn't challenged. So... What I'm looking for, and I'm not necessarily saying the Browns are doing this, but this is what I would be doing. I'm looking for an archetype. I'm looking for a very specific downhill inside zone, and really like a hybrid of of, of McKinnon and Pacheco, right? Guys who can be in the gun, RPO, downhill, inside zone backs with some power mixed into it, but a receiving threat on top of it. And particularly, I want to, ne- I want to scratch the itch for the receiving threat that is the the thing that I'm really looking for because I want a pass catcher who can run it but can also do Kenneth Gainwell type things for for um Philadelphia like I need some guys who can have versatility and I thought Kareem was an overrated receiver of the football so I do look forward to the options that can create a little bit more of that stuff so I'm not necessarily looking for another zone runner I think Jerome Ford can be an ample backup. I'm looking for something very specific, whether that's in the draft, a guy who's a hybrid of both and is very comfortable catching the football in a way that Nick isn't, or we'll talk free agency now, right? Guys who are on free agency, we'll go through them. These are the unrealistic names. Josh Jacobs won the FedEx Ground Player of the Year. He's out, right? We'll see what they'll do with that contract. Probably a franchise tag situation. Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, We'll see. Again, franchise tag types, but I don't know it's so certain Dallas will franchise Pollard. Devin Singletary with the Bills, Damian Harris with the Patriots, Miles Sanders with the Eagles, Jamal Williams with the Lions, who had a ton of touchdowns, uh, but maybe he's a little bit overvalued because of that. Deontay Foreman with the Panthers, who closed the year strong, really strong rushing attack from the Panthers to close out, and then David Montgomery with the Bears. All of those guys feel like just way out of the range the Browns would want to pay. All right. So, going down the line of interesting names, Latavius Murray, more of a runner than a catch- pass catcher, wouldn't necessarily fit that sort of uh sort of angle I'm looking for. Raheem Mostert, a little bit very fast player, experience in Shanahan's zone scheme obviously was with Miami last year with um, you know, McDaniel, so he's he's very comfortable in these types of running schemes. A guy to pay attention to. Samaje Perine bruising back, obviously got more run with the Bengals little later in the year, great pass blocker, but again, I don't think they need to specifically pin themselves to that. Alexander Madison, who's finally getting out of Minnesota, who also some rumors of a Dalvin Cook potentially on the trade market as he approaches 30. Madison, again, a guy who's been around, hung around, backup of Cook, is certainly experienced in the exact types of concepts the Browns run here. He's out there for the talking. We're going to move on from Kareem, not going to talk about him. Jeff Wilson also was with the Dolphins last year, a nice player, probably a league minimum or just above player. Again, pass-catching experience from his time with Shanahan, some different things. Jeff Wilson would be interesting. Certainly Jarek McKinnon, who we saw with the Chiefs, have a total breakout in terms of uh, really, really being able to catch the football for KC, uh, do a great job on those extended plays. Uh, that, But that's the, that's the specific type of scat type of role I would be interested in in a very minimum number, right? Minimum number. Wouldn't want to overpay for that type of player. Other names that are out there that I'm just not that interested in, Darrell Henderson, Kenyon Drake, Rashad Penny, Boston Scott, a little bit. Again, very specific role. Could get a very cheap deal there with Philly. Justin Jackson, Marlon Mack, Travis Homer, Ronald Jones, and then other guys that are just sort of out there. Ty Johnson with the Jets again. Special teamer, receiving the football out of the backfield. An interesting name if you're looking to really uh, kind of find that specific role. Uh, Darrell Williams with the Cardinals. Travion Williams with the Bengals at the bottom of their roster. And then Trenton Cannon with the Titans. There's a bunch of others that just are not going to move the needle among those former Brown, Dontrell Hilliard, Justice Hill with the Ravens, Mark Ingram with the Saints, Burkhead with the Texans, Mike Boone, Amir Abdullah. Like, I just don't see a fit there. What I personally would do... I I mean, I could see that if you wanted to fit the scheme, you got like Latavius Murray, Mostert, Jeff Wilson, those guys who are experienced in that angle. But to me, I'm not looking for that. So I don't necessarily see a great fit. If I were to pick one from free agency, like a Boston Scott would be of interest to me, and a Jarek McKinnon, probably the most interesting to me. Jeff Wilson follows that. But I'm not paying for a duplication of skill set, and especially when I want to get Jerome Ford as much experience as I possibly can. So I am eyeing the draft, the later rounds, the 142, 144, 192, 31 area for a young running back that can develop alongside Jerome Ford and get opportunities to do some very specific things. So if the Browns want to attack that angle and and eliminate the, the draft set, nece- not as a necessity, but the uh, appeal to it they could go sign somebody names I've mentioned there I don't expect them to and I certainly hope that if they do go out and make a signing of that nature that they would be inclined to make it with a specific role for a player that can be an excelled RPO very very specific type of player for what they should be looking for in a gun heavy offense paired with inside zone paired with some pullers some 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 different types of um, you know pulling whether that's guard H-back counters or or power or whatever can handle those dual rules. And I think there are plenty of guys out there to do it. So those are your free agency names. I predict that they won't sign anybody and will end up drafting a player that they can manage and control and cost for a while and make a decision on Nick after 23 when he has an out in his contract. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that they go get a minimum type or very just, just, just above minimum because running backs are cheap. So, that's where we'll leave it. We'll talk about running backs from the draft way more in depth as we get closer. Obviously we'll be doing, you know, dueling mock drafts, things of that nature we'll dive into. And if you haven't been paying attention, obviously putting up the daily mock drafts, plenty of stuff. I've put a ton of, I would say at least point them up to seven or eight different running backs in those mocks. So if you want to learn about them, that's obviously something that I post every single day to try to teach us about players available in this draft and uh, who the Browns can get. So uh, pay attention to that. Another mock draft up today for your for your interest. If you want to stick around for more Browns content, I wanted to reshare Monday's Unscripted on the OBR Twitch, which is Andrew Spade, Mike Keith. They do a great job talking, talking about a bunch of different Browns topics. So uh, we're going to take a break, and then I'm going to share with you their Monday episode, which is really good. So stick around if you want more Browns content.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
2: for this look who's here it's it's andrew spade what's up andrew hi mike uh sorry for being minutes seconds late uh life is much more hectic when you have a full-time job uh
3: no no worries It 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 happens so yeah listen first of all on the obr great week planned for this week i was just getting to that uh so if you're not subscribed to the obr make sure you're subscribed to the website make sure you're following the socials there's a great week this week uh andrew you and jake doing franchise mode tomorrow i'm guessing right
2: uh maybe i don't know
3: <laughs> cool that tuesday night slot's awesome very fun to talk about so what i do know is tomorrow at 9 p.m is garage beers and we're shifting gears uh we have a great interview and i know it's great because we did it today uh but we're gonna play it live tomorrow uh with uh the 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 director the vp of communications for the cleveland guardians uh curtis danberg's gonna come on and talk guardians baseball with us we're gonna relive last year a little bit we talk about this year a little bit. Everything going on down at Progressive Field. Now that the football season is over, it's almost time for pitchers and catchers. It's almost time for spring training. So on Garage Beers this week, we're going to talk a little baseball. Then Wednesday, you're going to have OBR Weekly with Barry and with Fred. Uh, so just the 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 two legends or the one legend and Barry uh, <laughs> that are going to be uh, doing OBR Weekly. And then Thursday, it's all eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward. So it's a great week of stuff going on here on the OBR and all of the written content that you can get on the OBRs, uh, the OBRs website. Yes, Ty Sox, we're playing the taped interview live tomorrow. Yes, we are. That works. Pre-recorded segment tomorrow, but the scenes. but we've got like an hour. We've got like an hour of other stuff to talk about live. So it'll be a live show, and we'll play the recording. Let's come on, come on. And I'm not throwing Kevin, I'm not throwing shade at Barry. This is shade. these are basically Barry's words. A little bit of shade. These are Barry's. Okay, a little shade. A
2: little Sorry. bit of shade. Sorry. Sorry. So like a like a like a sapling.
3: I do want to I appreciate Fumble thirteen while we were waiting for the, <laughs> for the countdown. He said we need better music if we're gonna be on yeah. hold for five minutes before the show. Some yeah. Zeppelin or stones and Fumble, I just want to thank you for offering to pay that uh that licensing fee.
2: Yeah, generous, much appreciated. Awesome generous.
3: Yeah, very generous. All right, let's talk some football, Mike. Let's well let's talk let's talk a lot of stuff. Again, this is unscripted, and this is the week after the Super Bowl. Super Bowl happened yesterday, Andrew. The Kansas mm-hmm. City Chiefs on a almost last second field goal take down the Philadelphia Eagles in what was a really really entertaining football game. I mean, I think that's what we all wanted and and, and I think it's what we talked about, Andrew, last week on the show. I said I don't know what's going to happen in this game. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's going to be a blowout either way. I don't know whether it's going to be close either way. Yep. I don't know what is going to happen in this game. Uh, and and kind of when you broke down the game, it's exactly what happened. Philly, those weapons for Philly are awesome. They have those receivers. Even the running backs yesterday were really good. Those weapons for Philly were awesome. But in the second half of that game, it was Andy Reid, his coaching staff, and mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes just making plays. And the Kansas City Chiefs come out victorious. They win the Super Bowl, man. How would you enjoy that game?
2: Uh, It was fantastic. I mean, it was, as you said, it was everything we wanted it to be. It was, uh, back and forth. Um, there was a point in the first half where it looked like the Eagles were going to walk, kind of walk away with it. Uh, there was a, there was a part there where it was like, Oh man, this, this could be over by by halftime or a little bit after. And then of course, you know, the chiefs came out in the second half and did, you know, what they, what they have done to a lot of teams over the years. Um, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league for a reason. You know, I think Andy Reid now is is up there in terms of the best coaches, uh, not only in the league but but really of all time, just in terms of consistent success. Yeah. Um. And, you know, they 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 did what great teams do, and that was the reason that I picked the Chiefs ahead of time. Is because the Eagles are you know are a good team, and obviously they they proved that they belonged. But the Chiefs have that little something extra where. Man, I mean, if 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 things, you know, if they're up against the wall, more times than not, they they bail each other out. I mean, that. Think about how big that. I mean, obviously, Hertz just dropped it, but for Nick Bolton to have the presence of mind to scoop and score there, um, you know, keeping them in that game in the first half when their offense was really struggling, they scored seven points in the first half against the Eagles' defense. That's that's really impressive by the Eagles' defense, and, and surprising for the Chiefs to struggle that much. And then Mahomes gets hurt and comes out and plays lights out in the second half. So, yeah, it was it was a classic Super Bowl, and and I watched you know every minute of it. I was engrossed the entire time, and you know I think the the knee jerk reaction in the moment was to kind of be a little let down by the ending, uh, and, and that penalty call, which you know is is understandable, but really with 24 hours of of retrospect, I I don't you know we're not going to remember that, <clears throat> you know we're going to remember the the Mahomes scramble to get them down into that position. That's really what, what, you know, was the, the defining moment of that game. And there were, you know, a ton of great performances, Jalen Hurts and, uh, and Mahomes and uh, Nick Bolton. And I can go on. Yeah. The,
3: the beginning of that game was what, what I kind of thought when we talked about the Eagles, it was, again, it was, it was their, their talent everywhere, everywhere else that wasn't head coach and quarterback and their quarterback was outstanding. This is not to put down Jalen hurt, but man, they just felt way better than the chiefs. When it came, when it came to defense, when it came to man, some of those catches, that touchdown catch on that long bomb to AJ Brown, where he adjusted and then readjusted. And every time I saw the replay, the ball just hitting his hands and sticking in the end zone. What a route he ran to get that. Yeah. Touchdown. They were yeah. just on fire. They were on fire. Yeah. And the yeah. Eagles, I mean, it's a tough – it's got to be a tough loss. It's got to be a – you know, like you wake up as Jalen Hurts this morning.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
3: I think a lot of people in our shoes are going to say, you should feel pretty damn good about what you did. 100%. Because he should feel really damn good about what Absolutely. he did. But you were this close to winning. Mm-hmm. You were this close, and he didn't do it. Yeah. It's got to be tough.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it, it's – I I think that probably knowing him and the way that he has taken on all these challenges over the past few years, he probably is pretty sure he's going to be back there next year. Right. I mean, that's probably the, the thinking, but we, we know from being longtime NFL fans that, you know, it always feels right within your grasp and you just never know, you know, year to year, you just never know how it's all going to play out. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's got to feel pretty rough and yeah, I I agree that he, he certainly can be incredibly proud. I mean, he, he, you know, obviously the the way things work now with the nfl you're never going to have a probably never again have a losing player win mvp but that's the kind of performance from hertz that like given how close the game was uh i wouldn't have been unhappy if he was named most valuable player i know that's not how it works anymore but i think you can make the argument
3: oh without quite i mean I I think it's hard to take it away from Patrick Mahomes, but Jalen Hurts—the performance he put on was between running the ball. There was this comment: uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, Kevo said it. Jalen Hurts almost as good as Brissett on one yard to go on like third, fourth, and one. I Think he's better. He might be better, but I don't think that's just a Jalen Hurts thing. (sighs) Right. Like I think Jacoby Brissett is Jacoby Brissett. When they would go for when they go for those sneaks, Andrew. Yeah. you probably could just run that for your offense for the Eagles the way that offensive line blocks. That yeah. is unbelievable. Jalen Hurts yes. was walking across the line of scrimmage.
2: Yeah, before yeah, he got touched. Rugby.
3: That offensive line is crazy. I, it's so yeah. hard not. The Eagles are an easy team to like. All of a sudden. Yep. Like I don't think the Eagles have always been an easy team to like, but right now they're an easy team to like defensively, offensively. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of guys on that team that are easy to like, and of course the first one on that list. If you're a Clevelander, is Jason Kelsey, and man, just watching him, just drooling. I mean, there aren't many guys, Andrew, from a physical perspective yeah, that have that much of an impact on the game from the center position. Right. He's incredible. Yeah. Usually, you talk about centers, you talk about like the mental aspect of the game, you talk about mm-hmm. reading defenses, calling plays, adjusting the line, all that stuff. Yeah. He's a physical freak of nature, that
2: dude. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I mean, I think he, he definitely deserves credit from the mental side, too. He's he's the full... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's the... And I know you weren't saying he, he doesn't. I mean, he's the he's the total package. And, uh, you know, it sounds like from what they said last night, uh, you know, that he's going to be back again next year. And like I just said, I mean, they return a lot of these players, the Eagles do. So...
3: Makes me so sad.
2: <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, we'll see. We'll see what, what happens with the, the hires, right? Because it came out yesterday that... Shane Steichen is sort of the leader in the clubhouse for the Colts job, and and Jonathan Gannon is the presumptive uh, favorite uh, for the Cardinals job. So they might lose both coordinators. <clears throat> that's a challenge, certainly. Um, you know that, that that's a lot of expertise walking out the door all at once. And of course, Steichen calls plays. But um, yeah, I mean, there's no there's no reason that the the Eagles shouldn't be right back in the mix next year as as one of the, the favorites to to go back and win it.
3: Hey, let's give a shout out to Paul Spencer here. Subscribe Thanks, for Paul. 19 months in a row. Shout out to you, Paul Spencer. Love that, Bernie Kosar. Uh, Gannon, yeah, there it is. And my birthday. My birthday's in six days. Everybody buy me presents. Uh, six days, okay. Yeah, come on the 19th. Uh, just Sunday. like Bernie Kosar. Uh, what was I going to talk? Oh, uh, so I got I got really good buddies. A couple good buddies that are Eagles fans, right? Yeah. And so you brought up Gannon uh, going out to going out to Arizona potentially. He can yeah. stay there, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not super popular. It doesn't sound like in Philly. Which
2: well, not after last night. Thirty-eight no, and, points. And
3: <laughs> the text came. The text came. I want to say something in the first half. My buddy was like, because they were talking about Gannon. And I was like, oh yeah, you guys are going to be searching for coaches. And he was like, well, we can't get rid of Gannon fast enough. And I'm like, yeah. This is when the Eagles are winning and like dominating all, or defensively. And I'm like, yep. maybe I just maybe I don't know anything. Hey, Brian Cassidy, yours is in nine days. Let's go. Happy birthday, Brian. Uh, I don't know. I, I wonder if that's more of a fan thing. You know, like Pittsburgh fans that want to get rid of Mike Tomlin and all of us and are right. like, please, yes. Yeah. Please get rid of him.
2: Uh, I mean, or if, or yeah, if, or I if they that, know
3: something that I don't know.
2: I mean, of the two sides of the ball, the Eagles defense has less talent, I think, than their offense, right? Like, um, you know, there, there's a <clears throat> there's a component. I mean, that, that Eagles defense cratered in 2020, you know, and then bounced back last year and then had an even better this year this year. I think you have to give the coaching some of the credit for that. Um, he's obviously well thought of. He's a young guy, you know, on the rise in the league. So, um, you know, having said that, I mean, I I think you know what part of it is what makes a good head coach isn't necessarily what makes a good coordinator, right? So, like, right? Um, I I could see Gannon going on and being a very successful head coach, but it also being true that the Eagles fans are kind of done with him as defensive coordinator. I, I, it could cut both ways.
3: Yeah, well, that's true. That is true. It could be a better head coach than coordinator. That is very true. Yeah. So let's talk about the the games going on. Uh, The Eagles go into halftime with a lead and momentum, all the momentum. The Chiefs come out and just grab the momentum. The Chiefs did not have a drive in the second half where they didn't score. Correct. A couple of the most impressive things. Well, the the one, to me, the most impressive thing, uh, you could say Patrick Mahomes in the ankle and all that, especially when it got rolled up on. That looked gross. Yeah. But – Jalen hurts responding Mm -hmm. after the chiefs had taken the lead. They're up eight and Jalen hurts just drives the Eagles down the field. They score a touchdown. He runs and and fights forward for the two point conversion. They tie the game. I went, Oh man, this, this kid's that's his arrival moment, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't matter what he had done to that point in the game. Here's your arrival moment. You just late in the game, tied the super bowl. And you did that. That two point conversion was spectacular. Uh, That, that was awesome. Like that that moment of the game, I, I don't remember how much time was there? Maybe four minutes, five minutes left. Yeah,
2: the Chiefs did an incredible job of milking the clock to, to, yes. to use the entire clock. Um, yeah, it was it was about four four something uh when the yeah. Eagles scored. Yeah, yeah. That was
3: that was yeah. awesome. For me on the other side, the Chiefs, I love the fact that the Chiefs just ran out the same play twice to score touchdowns uh I in know. the red zone. They I just know. mirrored it. Yep, and Philly just like they read Philly's defense like a book. there there's your Andy Reid advantage right there. Mm, yeah, they read Philly's defense like a book. They knew exactly what they were going to do. They yeah. set them up with the jab and then they threw the right hook and it just worked to perfection. That uh, you don't see that too much. Usually, if a team gets burned on a play, especially wide open like that in the red zone, they're ready for it the next time. Right, Philly was not ready the second time.
2: Yeah. Somebody pointed out today that Doug Peterson ran something similar with the Jags uh, earlier this year and got the Eagles on it, too. So I thought that was interesting, too, the, the Peterson-Reed connection as well. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, like I said before, I you know, there was some talk uh, before the game that Andy Reid might retire after this one. And, I mean, uh, there's a good chance the Chiefs will be back there pretty much any time they want, right, because of how good their team is. but. Um, it, you know, I, I'm always in favor of these guys going out on top. I mean, you know, you think about Bill Belichick. Like, I, I know that he You're wants to prove that he can do it without Tom Brady, but like, he should have just retired in 2019 or whatever. No, that was anyway the last time they won a Super Bowl, whatever <laughs> yeah. year it was. Like, I mean, watching him struggle through having Matt Patricia as offensive coordinator, and now he's bringing back Bill O'Brien. It's like for Andy Reid, it's like. I mean, if Mahomes gets hurt next year, and you know, bounce of the ball, whatever, or you know, all of a sudden it's two years you haven't made one. Now you're coaching in 2026, and you wanted to be done two years ago. Like, go out on top, guys. I mean, like, I, I don't. There's, you know, there's, there. To me, it's like you're better. You're you're better off quitting sooner rather than later. But like too early rather than too late. But that's just me.
3: Yeah, lots. There's not really anything to prove for Andy Reid, but life. Right. Is, you know, you got to understand too. Life is scary outside of it.
2: Sure, and even yeah. and
3: even Andy Reid, you know, not to bring up a terrible thing, but Andy Reid and his family have dealt with some pretty tragic stuff, even You're lately. Right. And football has got to be his way to just get to the office and, like, yeah, I don't want to say escape because right. that's probably the bad, you know, the wrong verbiage, but just to, wrong, to, to take his focus away from something else. And I think a lot yeah. of guys, you see it with a lot of guys that retire, and then they're like, Nah, I don't want to, I don't want re- right. to, I don't want to retire. I want to come back and do. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so hard. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. Big storyline from the game last night. Brian Cassidy just brought it up in the comments. Uh, says he'd have oh, to rewatch gosh, yeah. it, but how? the the turf.
2: Yeah.
3: How? How is that a thing we are dealing with in Super Bowl 50 whatever
2: yeah. in
3: the year 2023?
2: Yeah. How
3: are we dealing with turf issues?
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't it's know. embarrassing. Yeah. Right. I don't know the science behind it. Obviously I am not a turf scientist and I won't pretend to be. Um, but, uh, you know, I I will just say that the NFL is very good at, uh, missing, you know, the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest. (laughs) however, whatever, you know what I mean? Like this is, this is like a small thing. That's a big thing. Right. And you know, it, it, it didn't seemed like it affected the game like in terms of like an obvious like guy running in for a touchdown slips and falls or something like that right but but you know guys all night were slipping and couldn't trust their footing and I'm sure it had an effect I mean uh I think it was was it Carlos Dunlap that said something about it afterwards some some player addressed it Uh, maybe it was on the the Eagles side but but you know when when players are bringing it up (laughs) <laughs> when players are bringing it up after the game and kind of complaining about it, that's when, you know, it's kind of crossed over to the level of unacceptable. And I, I just, you know um, it, it's just this, this, this really frustrating thing where it, you know, it's kind of like the officiating thing. And I don't mean to speak just about the call at the end, but in general, it cheapens the product, right? If, if, if it's the, the showcase game of the year and guys are falling over, like they're playing on an ice rink just in the same way that, that it takes five minutes to determine what a catch is cheapens the game that cheapens the game and it makes it look, you know, uh, I I don't even know what the word is. It's obviously not amateurish, but it's sloppy. It's um, you know, it's, it's, it's like a spectacle with it's like, it's all show and no uh, substance.
3: I, 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 I have seen games in the snow in Cleveland that haven't had right. turf issues like that. Yeah. Right. I have seen, I, I, and, and, and E. Gillen says it in the comments. Yeah. They had turf yeah. issues all that's season in Arizona. It's been a decade. Maybe quit, I, I, what are you doing? Maybe yeah. your system of wheeling the turf out and then wheeling it back in and like, maybe that's not working. Yep. Maybe, maybe don't do that. Right. But like to, I, I, in the Super Bowl, to have, and you could tell it, it definitely to get to uh, to get to the original point by Brian Cassidy. I think the area where it had the biggest impact was on the pass yeah. rush. Yeah. I think it was on both sides. Yeah, you're talking about two teams that are really good at rushing the passer. Yep. And what did Philly end up with a sack? They did not. The Philly up, Philly leads the league like record-breaking year in team yep. sacks. They get none. Right. And again, it's hard to sack Patrick Mahomes, but you can get yep. to him once or twice usually. They get nothing, uh, and Kansas City, I think, had one, unless they got one at the end, something like that. Yeah. You could tell it was in the trenches a complete detriment to the defensive players. Yes. And like you said, that cheapens the game. That stinks. That's If you're taking away – if Philly's one of the best teams in the league at doing that and you take that away from them, that cheapens the game. Yeah. so. Uh, all right, let's get to let's get to the one thing about this game that everybody was talking about that everybody's gonna talk about. You said it'll get forgotten, and I agree with you. Over time, we'll see how long that takes. It's not forgotten at this point. Uh, the end of the game, yeah. The Kansas City Chiefs uh, trying to run down the clock as much as possible. It appears as though the Philadelphia Eagles get a stop on third down. Kansas City's going to have to kick a field goal. And then the flag comes out and there's a defensive holding call against Philadelphia that allows Kansas City to basically milk the rest of the clock out until they kick the field goal with like four seconds left. Right. Uh, lots of talk from LeBron James on Twitter saying that can't happen in that moment. You can't call that penalty, blah, blah, blah to other people. You know, the, the officials and, and, and uh, who's the head ref on Fox uh, that does like, oh sure. Mike Pereira? Per, uh, Pereira, right? Yeah. Mike Pereira saying, yeah. yes, obviously we could see where this happened, but even he was like, I don't know about this call. There's a lot of conversation about this yeah. call. Andrew, when you watched it live, yeah what was your, what was your thought? And, and, and has your thought changed over the last 24 hours?
2: No, I mean, you know, I, I think like big picture, number one, NFL officiating is very inconsistent. Right. Um, not only game to game, but within games. Um, we've seen it as Browns fans over the years. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, which game it was this year, but there was a game where Jerome Boger was the referee and you could tell by like midway through the first quarter it was going to be one of those games. Right. Where like he was just going to, they were going to just do what they're going to do and it was going to get stupid. I mean, I, I, I sometimes will tweet from the OBR account during the game and I have, you know, I tweeted it in the first quarter, like get ready. This one is going to suck. And then it, it just proceeded to suck for the next three and a half hours. So, um, you know, I think with that context in mind, I kind of watch all of these games with a little bit of like, okay, I guess we'll just, we'll call that, you know, like I, I'm not, i not, my expectations are low, I guess is the best way to say it. So in the moment, it felt like a pretty consequential call, obviously. And, you know, those calls, especially the way that, Bradbury did it. He did it in such a way that he really, you know, the, the the main angle they showed kind of hid what he did. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the guy was running away from the camera. You couldn't see how much it slowed him down. Um, So, you know, I thought it's one of those things where what it looks like on the field live to a referee is different from what it looks like on a replay to me. So I'm not like, I was never up in arms about it, but I also understand the point of like in that position you're making a call that changes, fundamentally changes the entire course of the rest of the Super Bowl that is tied. So you you want it maybe to be a little bit more blatant than that in that context. And that's something, you know, I saw you and, and Philly going back and forth on this on, on Twitter today. The idea that officials do need to be a little bit contextually aware, right? That like you call, you don't call the game the same all the time. Uh, there are times when you exercise a little bit more discretion. So I, I was interested to hear your thoughts on that, but I no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to, I, I I, think the reason I dislike that the officiating is so inconsistent is because I don't want to talk about it, right? Like the, yeah, the right. best games of football you watch are the games where you don't talk about the officials.
3: Yeah. Listen, uh, that is something uh, Philly and I had a great conversation on Twitter. Uh, he was kind of making the point that rules are rules. If you break the rule, it gets called. It is what it is. And I'm telling you, if that's how you want football called, you'll hate the game of football within two weeks. You'll hate the game of football. If the officials call every last little thing that they see, because technically it's a rule, you will hate the game of football. There are contextual things that you have to play in. There are penalties that happen away from the ball that are inconsequential to the play that you don't want to see a flag on. There are penalties that happen well behind a play that don't affect the play that you don't want to see a flag on. You don't want to see pass interference on a Hail Mary uh, when guys right. are crashing into each other unless there's something ridiculously ridiculously blatant. So to me, you got to have that. And so when I first saw the call, Andrew, I didn't love it. Now, I feel like I could see the hold, even though they didn't show the jersey grab, I could see, you could see Juju like slow down and you could see Bradbury catch up to him. It's a sign of a hold, right? Yeah, the reason I didn't love it at first is that the play resulted in Patrick Mahomes just kind of fading. He was getting pressured, right, and he just kind of faded off of his back foot and lobbed yeah. it to the end zone. I think and he that saw the a flag. hole, right? And maybe he did. But my initial reaction was, oh, I hate. It felt like a little bit of a bailout play. I agree. Like the Chiefs weren't running a good play, and now they're getting bailed out for it. It's it's the equivalent of being in like a. Third and 25 and then just throwing a long bomb down the field, hoping to get, hoping to get a pass interference. Right. You never want to see a pass interference.
2: Like a three-point shooter that sticks a leg out because they know they don't have a good shot, but they can get fouled. You know, they're buying
3: something. Hate, hate, hate bailout uh, calls. For sure. The more, now 24 hours later, I'm I'm a thousand percent okay with the call. I was okay with it last night. I just thought, oh, I hate those bailouts. Now I'm even more okay with it, just more context being added to it and watching it more. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, Ian's in the comments right now just saying he saw the <laughs> hold happen. Uh, it affected yeah. the play. I think it did Ian affect the play. Ian has strong
2: beliefs about the legality of this this play.
3: <laughs> but, yeah, you got to – I mean, you got to – Unfortunately, in that circumstance, if you see that happen and if there was a jersey pull and you see it as an official, you got to call it. The The thing that I, if you want to know what I hate more than anything about the whole situation, it's not the call. I feel like the call is is fine. It's the fact that why is every defensive penalty in the NFL an automatic first down?
2: Yeah, I think that's a conversation worth having. That is so
3: that should have been what What was the down and distance there? I know it was third down. Was it like third and eight or something like that?
2: It definitely was longer than five.
3: Yeah. That should have been a five-yard penalty, replay the down. Third yeah. down and, and two or three. Right. I, the fact that in a third and long situation, a team can get a first down on a simple yeah. hold right, is nonsense. It, it, it goes back to the NFL's thing, I don't know, what was that, like a decade ago or two decades ago where they were like, we really need to help out the offenses. And so all penalties were basically designed to help the offense. Right. They got to get rid of some of that. There are some of these penalties that happen live ball defensive penalties and a, a, a defensive holding should not result in a new set of downs. Give them five yards, let them replay the down and see what happens. That would that could have changed the whole complexion of the conversation about it, right? But instead, you give them a first down, it lets them run the clock out. That's not yeah. fun. No, that's not fun. No, I would have much rather seen kids, I would have much rather see the right call get made. Kansas City, maybe they don't get it on third down after replaying the down. They kick the field goal. Now Philly gets the ball back with, like, I don't know, a minute. Right. That is way more entertaining than giving them a first down for a simple, non-overly obvious, non-overly blatant call. Right. That's that's what pisses me off about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. And in it. I think, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those situations where, the, the game does favor offense, you know, the rules of the game favor offense. And in that situation it became pretty blatant. I mean, you know, Mahomes, you know, knows, I mean, to to Ian's point, he knows that if he throws that ball, even if Juju doesn't catch it, you know, the penalty is probably going to get called. And so it's a it's a it's a bailout slash, it's a fifty fifty ball, you know, that that he's going to let his guy make a play on and it, it you know it just it makes life easier on a quarterback and so but that's you know that's what puts butts in the seats right and there were seventy three points in the Super Bowl so overall probably nothing's going to change but in that moment it does feel pretty crummy.
3: And Tysocks saying here would that result in, if it wasn't an automatic first would it result in more holds? Uh, maybe every once in a while. Like you Ty Sox again says if I was a DB I'd grab every time on third and thirteen, maybe.
2: You got to remember that it's just for holding. It's not for interference, right? So you got to grab before the ball is thrown,
3: right? You got to get them at the right time so you could miss, right? If you don't miss, you're still, you're giving them a free play. Like red leader said here, it's just like an offside. So, okay. Now they got a free play flag out. Right. And, and even still you're got third and 13, maybe. And now we're talking about third and eight. That's still a hard thing to convert. Right. Fine. Maybe that wouldn't be such a bad play, but maybe that just plays into the strategy of the game. Yeah. But are you gonna are you gonna hold Tie Socks if it's third and eight? Are you right. gonna hold if it's third and nine? Are you gonna hold if it's third and seven? You better not.
2: Right. Especially with pissed. more and more teams going for it on fourth down. You know, we, ta- we
3: talked we talked about it all season. We talked yep. about it all season, Andrew. How the difference between the Browns on third and six and shorter, or right. third and six or longer, yep. was astronomical. Yep. So you're not gonna you're not gonna be out there grabbing on third and seven, third and yep. eight. Yeah, Given, giving teams two or three yards to go on on the on the replay of the down you're not doing that right.
2: So I don't while think we're it ta-
3: makes that big of a difference.
2: While we're talking about rule changes, uh, you know, I, I know Fumble was in the comments talking about the the uh, Eagles' particular version of the quarterback sneak getting potentially outlawed this off season. I'm interested to see what happens with that because I, two th- there's two options, right? Either they make it illegal to push the guy and they make it, I don't know how you can legislate how low the offensive line gets. Cause that seems even more important than the pushing from behind, so, but either they, they legislate something about that or everybody in the league should be doing that right ne- next year. I mean, that's the, those are the two options.
3: Everybody in the league should be doing that. Yeah. There's I mean, if they legislate away from that, I'll be, that would piss me right off. There's I'm this, not, I'm not. Yeah. I'm oh, not
2: advocating one way or the other. Yeah. I, just, oh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see.
3: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I hope they don't even consider it. I hope it's not even a discussion. Right. There's, there was this thing. It, remember the Bush push? I do. The Bush push Rapidly. created the most wildly misunderstood situation in all of football rules amongst the fans. The Bush push, every fan felt like it's illegal. You can't do that. You can't push a guy from behind. And then you heard it. for. I mean, we've heard it for decades now. We've yeah. heard it for decades because people don't understand it. The rule in football is that you cannot, like, assist by, by like, lifting a guy. You can't carry a guy forward. Right. If you're a lineman behind a quarterback, you can't pick his ass up and run him forward. You can push him all you want. You, As long as you're just shoving him in the back, shove him in the back. Right. That's all good. I I, I agree. Red leader, a thousand percent. It's a fundamental play. Yeah. It is a fun. It's a fundamental play. And if you can't stop it as a defense, that's a you problem.
2: Yeah. Well, I would I would just say then that um you will know if you have a good or a bad coach next year if they are doing this.
3: Uh oh. Well now I feel I feel real good about Kevin Stefanski.
2: <laughs> I mean he likes
3: running these kind of plays.
2: Well, but 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 they you know, as you mentioned earlier, they were relying on Jacoby Brissett to specifically do what he does on sneaks, which is different from what the Eagles are doing. For sure, and and the Browns have not, you know, they didn't do any of that stuff with the lower leverage level for the offensive line. They didn't do anything with the formation to help push the quarterback across the line of scrimmage. So, um, they ran a lot of QB sneaks, but they were relied on Jacoby Reset's specific expertise, and he probably won't be back next year.
3: No, I think, and I think the reason the Eagles are so successful at it, I to me, I think it's way more about what you said before. Fumble just said it. They run it like a like a scrum, yeah. yeah. That offensive line. Uh, uh, the reason other teams aren't are not going to be even if they run that play, they're not going to be as successful as the Eagles, is because there aren't many teams that have that offensive line, or or that skill or ability on that I offensive mean, it's line. A
2: technique. I, I feel like y- you can teach that technique over the course of an offseason.
3: You can teach the technique, but are, are your guys as good? No,
2: I understand. I understand, but I'm saying, I I'm just saying, if you're if you're if you're Team doesn't try that version of it next year. I think that that they're lazy, frankly.
3: Well, all right. We're going to hand out next year. We are handing out the Andrew Spade Lazy Award to whatever teams don't do that. It'll be part of the NFL uh, Listen, awards. At the I end know the from
2: Lazy. I know a little <laughs> bit about being lazy. So
3: it'll be part of the NFL award show at the end of the season. Speaking yeah. of the NFL award show Sequel. at the end of the season. That happened with the things that have happened since the last time you and I were on the NFL award show, the, the award ceremony. And we've got to take a minute here. We, we sat there on Thursday night. We showed up on you and I showed up on all eyes on Cleveland, Brad Ward show. Uh, Again, that's Thursday nights at 8 PM. You and I showed up because we thought, all right, we'll show up Joe Thomas. We'll get the news. We'll get the news. Well, they didn't announce it until 1030 (laughs) at night. And we were like, well, we're not going to sit here for two hours and do this. Uh, But that's the big news. All of Cleveland rejoices, all of Cleveland celebrates the Iron Man himself Joe Thomas, one of the greatest linemen in the history of football is officially a hall of famer. Uh I don't know about you Andrew. I I watched the video. I think it was Walter Jones that went to his house to tell him. I watched I've watched that video maybe 200 times. Yep. That giggle. If you want to know why if you are are outside of Cleveland if you're watching this or or whatever at some point now on demand whatever if you're watching this and you're like why do these people love that guy as much as they do watch Joe Thomas's giggle when they tell him he's a hall of famer yep that's why we love him right there that's it, it, he did what he did on the field but that man is just iconic human being iconic human being a hall of famer in so many ways so good to see, finally see Andrew a modern brown being inducted as a first ballot hall of famer.
2: Yeah. I said this, I said this on Thursday night, um, perhaps not so, not very eloquently and I'll, maybe I'll try again, but I feel like, you know, Joe Thomas making it into the hall of fame means that what happened over the first 20 years of the Browns return can't be all bad. You know? Uh, I mean, it was, it was rough so many times and, and obviously, One of the things that I hate the most is that he's got an 0-16 season on his resume, uh, which is just absolutely astounding, considering what a player he is, Um, and obviously not playing in a playoff game. Despite those things, this is an achievement for that organization, and you know, obviously, it mostly accrues to him as a person. But you know, the we we often talk about everything that was wrong with the Browns over the course of that 20 years. It can't have been all bad if he stuck around, you know. I mean, you you told the story of, of him turning down Peyton Manning, uh, to uh, had a chance to go to the to Denver and try and win a Super Bowl. Um, it, it, you know, I I just like I I mean Joe Thomas deserves the lion's share of the credit, but I just think, you know, there is a bright spot for all of those years of misery, and it's him, you know, and that's it's as simple as that. And so for to see him get rewarded in this way. Uh, I'm so excited to see Canton in, in August. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I might try and get up there myself and, and just kind of bask in it because I mean, the whole problem with the past 25 years is that there's been nothing to celebrate, but we can celebrate this unreservedly
3: unreservedly and celebrate. We will, I love that he brought up that story. He's done a lot of interviews uh, uh, online with the Browns, the Browns released yep. released a lot of videos. Uh, uh, but I, what I loved what he said. He he brought up that story that he told us on Garage Beers on our hundredth episode about Peyton Manning came calling uh, and he turned him down and he said, "Nah, I'm going to stay in Cleveland." And uh, he said, I, "I'm not going to ask for a trade to Denver." Uh, right. And 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 he explained it really well in one of the videos. I don't know if you guys saw it. But in one of these videos, now that he's a Hall of Famer, he he said that his, his whole mantra, his whole motto was that you can count on me. You can count on me. Whatever's going on, no matter how good or bad things get, uh, we need 10 yards, we need five yards, we need two yards, we need something, we need motivation on the sideline. Whatever we need, you can count on me. That was his motivation. That was his motto through his whole career. And so when Peyton Manning came calling and said, hey, ask for a trade to Denver. We could use it. We're going to go win a Super Bowl. In his head, he said, well, that goes against you can count on me. Because if I leave, then these people that I've told forever they can count on me, the city of Cleveland can't count on me anymore. And that's why he stayed. And I think that is, that's so cool. The videos were great. I know I see it in the comments. People are talking about uh, when they did tributes to him and, and you saw guys like Brady Quinn and Alex Mack and, Josh Cribs and Doug Deacon and all these guys, you saw his parents and his wife and his kids, uh, super emotional. Uh, but again, it makes it so much, it makes it so much more fun that this just couldn't have happened to a, a better guy, mm. you know, for what he did on the field, nearly incomparable, uh, you you can argue that he's an all-time – you could say he is the all-time greatest, and nobody would really have an argument against that. Uh, but it's for what he does off the field, too, and, and how involved he was here in the community and his life as a dad and, as a, and a husband and a son and all that. It could not happen to a better guy. The fact that he's going to be in Canton forever. These videos do something to me every year, Andrew.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: They remind me that these guys don't always just take it for granted. For sure, and what I mean by that is Joe Thomas was a surefire Hall of Famer. Did you just lose power or something over there?
2: Yeah, just for a second.
3: No, oh, nice. There you are, uh, Joe Thomas. Easy first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Mm-hmm. Like we knew it was coming. There was no, there was no like suspense to this. He's right. going to be a Hall of Famer, and yet his reaction when they told him he was a Hall of Famer, yeah, was. The, the gratitude, it, 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 you just can tell that they don't take it for granted. And especially when you watch the other guys. I don't know if you guys watched all the videos of them being told. Zach Thomas's was incredible. Yeah, for sure. you got to remember, Zach Thomas has been on that ballot for a while now. Yep. yep. And it, it was starting to look like maybe Zach Thomas is never going to get in. Yep. And when he walked up those stairs and he saw those people in his house, he lost it. Yeah. I think even the first ballot guys understand that you can't take it for granted. And for that's sure. what makes the whole thing so cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 great. You know, I mean, I've been watching. They've been doing this with the the way that they do it now with, you know, giving guys the news in this special kind of way and everything. They've been doing this for a few years. And, I mean, obviously, it's never been a Browns player. So, I you know, you watch it and you pay attention, but it doesn't mean the same thing, right? I mean, some of the guys that have gotten in are – our players that are favorites of mine, you know, um, guys that I enjoyed watching, but it's, it's different. It's absolutely different when it's a, a player that you watched game after game after game and, and, you know, was, had such a personal relationship with the city of Cleveland. It's, uh, it's incredible. And I, and I, you know, I know that Joel Batonio probably has a case, um, you know, uh, by the time his career is over, especially if he can finish strong over the next few years. Um, you know, uh, other than that, on the roster currently, I mean, it would be Nick Chubb. Maybe I mean Miles Garrett. Obviously, is going to have a case. Yeah. Um, but you know, the thing about it, I mean, to your point about not taking it for granted, if Miles Garrett, I mean, God forbid, I'm knocking on everything I own, but if he didn't play another snap, is he a Hall of Famer right now? I think that's yeah, you know, it's one of the one of the tricky things about it, right because it's a career achievement, and you know, a lot of players in in Cleveland have have had careers that have. You know they've burned brightly, but it's been for short. And so Joe Thomas is the exception to the rule. And you know we just don't know. You don't know when, when as a Browns fan, you're going to get to watch another one of the players that you watched every week go in.
3: Yeah, no doubt about that. Think about think about all the guys Joe Thomas played with and how uh, none of them got in. So that's
2: exactly that's exactly. yeah that's what I mean yeah exactly. I mean you know uh, the fact that Brady Quinn isn't in is just a, it's a travesty.
3: Tra- Travis mockery.
2: Uh <laughs> Other names in the
3: class, again, I talked about Zach Thomas, DeMarcus, where his video was great. Rondé yep. Barber, another guy that you weren't sure if Rondé Barber was ever going to yep. get in. Rondé Barber's in. Uh, that's great. Darrell Rivas was an easy yep. uh, an easy uh, selection. Uh, and then some of the old-timers, Don Coryell an old coach, uh, yep. Ken Riley, Chuck Howley, and Joe Klecko. Uh, that was the Hall of Fame class. Uh, that'll be the induction. Uh, and it'll be a – I'm so excited to see what Canton is like yeah. when they're putting Joe Thomas in. Yeah, it's going to be rowdy down there.
2: It should be. I, it should be impressive. That's. I. I just want. I want it to be. You know,
3: championship parade,
2: for Cleveland for the Cavs vibes. Yeah. Uh,
3: other. Otherwise, did we learn anything else from uh, the award ceremony? Uh, I think the the one thing you got to learn is you got to feel pretty damn good. If your team can find a quarterback, you right. got to be feel pretty damn good to be a Jets fan. You won both the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson both take home the awards for the Jets. That's that's a hell of a place to start. Oh, we lost Andrew. Well, as he sorts through that situation, uh, that's a hell of a place to start for the New York Jets coming away with the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously the MVP deservedly. So, uh, Nick Bosa, there you are. Hey, hi. Hey, I was, how about those jets?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, if they can, as you were saying, if they can pull off the quarterback situation, uh, another team in the AFC, that'll be quite formidable. Um, you know, I mean, you see, you see lots of rookies of the year, you know, not live up to the promise of their first year, but I think everybody thinks that Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner are going to be really good players for a long time. And I, you know, I'm not, I mean, those players are good. I'm not hundred percent sold on the coaching staff there. Um, you know, I think Robert Sala is, is okay. I, the choice of Nathaniel Hackett as offensive coordinator is, is puzzling. And if another team was dumb enough to hire Nathaniel Hackett specifically to try and get an in with Aaron Rodgers, the guy that, you know, doesn't even know himself. Uh, you know it, that would be a a real miscalculation. Um, because if they swing and miss on on Rogers, and I mean, or even if they succeed, I mean, Hackett just put up put together one of the worst offenses in the league last. Year. The the fact that he's an offensive coordinator for a defensive head coach, you know, that's a I mean, and and Aaron Rodgers is is older. There's a chance that that backfires on them pretty spectacularly. So I, I'm not like two feet on the Jets bandwagon just yet. Cause I think there's some pretty big questions they have to answer yet. And I don't know that it, to me, it's not one of those situations where you get Aaron Rodgers and all of a sudden you start the victory parade. Right. I mean, they, they, they're in arguably the toughest division in the league right now. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they still have some pretty big questions, not just the quarterback. I mean, the, the offensive line is an issue. Anyway, we can, we don't need to go deep on the Jets.
3: No, that's what just- Fran
2: has voted for.
3: Yeah, just just interesting. Again, I was saying Mahomes won MVP, Nick Bosa yeah, won Defensive yeah, Player yeah. of the Year, and neither of those things really surprised. So, right. uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was a lot. That was a lot. That was a lot. That was a lot. I, I I don't know that I need to see how long was that show? Like three hours, four hours? It was a
2: full three hours. And I, Kirk Cousins was singing right before they announced the guys that went into the Hall of Fame. And yeah, I
3: don't I don't need that again. I don't need George Kittle singing to. Uh, of so Brock Purdy again, Whew.
2: ever,
1: it's and they're least...
3: all singing Kelly Clarkson songs. I, that was,
2: I, you know, I yeah, know. and it, you know what? And it's kind of like I mean, all, how all of the commercials last night were geared specifically towards people like our age and a little bit older, right? Like Gen Xers and and older millennials. Like, um, it does not feel good. I do not like being. I I I am I am used to things being designed for other people and me kind of rolling my eyes at them getting to the age where i am the target demographic is a is a rude awakening
3: yeah now you're watching the commercials like you know what i do need to boost my cell signal
2: <laughs> yeah but no i like oh man they they did a caddyshack parody of this this beer company oh okay well now i'm intrigued who they got playing judge smales
3: yeah right and it yeah. was ridiculous uh i've got it I don't, it, the commercials I think are always entertaining. But we do this thing. We t- I talked about it last week. We do this thing with the Super Bowl that we got to get like the most, we're the most critical people when it comes to like the halftime show and the commercials. It's this weird <sighs> yeah. yeah. hyper critical phase that yeah. we go in. All yeah. we're doing is, all we're doing is being critical. Oh, well, if I was in charge of the halftime show, I wouldn't have done all those platforms. I would have done something. Who gives a sh- Why are you so critical? The commercials last night. Twitter, what you? It was like a whole bunch of Siskel and Eberts about commercials yeah. on on yeah. Twitter. Speaking of age, uh, they, maybe they were good. Maybe they weren't good. They're commercials. Right. They're commercials. What are we yeah. doing here? Yeah. What are we right. doing? Yeah. Some of them were great. I thought some were really funny. I thought some were ridiculous. Yeah, we had a company that spent a lot of money on Jesus rebranding. That was weird in the middle of the Super Bowl. I don't. I'm not bringing up religion. It just was a weird thing that happened yeah. in the middle of the Super Bowl. The ones that can really kiss my ass, though. <laughs> I'm not trying to you cry during the about Super Bowl. People criticizing them. No, but I'm not trying to cry during the Super Bowl.
2: Okay.
3: And and when we got dogs growing up and getting old and. And babies and dogs and then dogs making friends and people having to put their dogs down. I don't need a Marley and Me commercial during the
2: Super Bowl. Okay, I'm
3: trying to watch okay. football here and I'm getting all emotional by myself on the couch. <laughs> Luckily, I'm alone.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, listen. I, You know, I lost the dog this past year, um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I I get why it's sad and why it's un mm-hmm. un desirable but also like it's one of the most beautiful relationships in life man so i you know celebrating that even if it is for callous commercial gain uh you know i i I don't know it made me think about my dog and i you know that's there's nothing wrong with that
3: listen it was beautiful and the commercial was actually it was a great ad for sure yeah yeah a thousand percent but
2: yeah, oh, the, we're talking about the first one, right, with the the lab. Yep.
3: Yeah, yep. And then the Amazon and... one
2: kind of missed me a little bit. Uh, I thought, but the the, fir- the first one for like some sort of um, natural dog food was, I thought, very effective. Especially because the implicit <laughs> the implication of the ad was buy our dog food and your dog will live longer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? I you know, that. I wish I hope somebody makes an ad that just has that as the tagline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Just cut all the other
2: shit out and just, yeah, just, <laughs> just a black our, screen with white text. <laughs> buy our food and we won't kill it's your all, dog.
3: Monty Python and the Holy Grail style. Monty right, Python. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Buy our food. Your dog will live a little longer than you thought Throw he would. Throw your to. wallet at the TV. Cheers.
2: Yeah. Uh,
3: look at We started a whole thing. And first of all, Paul Spencer's called me a heartless dog hater. Get over yourself. I've had sure. dogs since I was 10
2: a troublemaker
3: he is a troublemaker he's
2: a troublemaker i like so let's, tony let's, here let's tony
3: bell uh, bellow, bellow? r.i.p to all the dogs you know what yeah shout out yeah. to all dogs all dogs go to heaven uh yeah. and fumble you're right losing a pet the most painful thing it is uh i've, I've dealt with some painful things that's rough that is yeah. that's rough uh <laughs> you didn't feed your dog our stuff you're a loser
2: yeah yeah <laughs> right yeah <laughs> I mean, Don't be like the
3: team that loses the Super Bowl tonight. Feed right. your dog our stuff. That was the vibe. Mm-hmm. That was
2: the vibe. All
3: right, let's uh, let's spend the last couple of minutes talking about some Brown stuff that happened. Uh, that was uh, just heading into the off season that have happened since the last yeah. time we talked. Yeah. Last time you and I really talked, Andrew, was Thursday on All Eyes on Cleveland, and we were having an intense battle about coaches, defensive coaches. Why are these <laughs> guys still here? What are we doing? Blah. Well, very shortly thereafter. Yeah. It's announced that Jeff Howard, uh, from the from the Browns, uh, he was their defensive pass game coordinator. He was their defensive backs coach. Uh, was sniped away and taken by the Chargers to be their linebacking coach. And so the Browns, uh, it's like it's it feels like that first domino that kind of happened, right? Like I yeah. think part of the reason people were getting so stressed out about this was that they, we kind of expected things to happen. And then just weeks kept going by without things happening. Sure. And then nothing was happening. And so it Mm -hmm. was like a thing happened and everybody was able to breathe a sigh of relief. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, and I, and I see people in comments saying thank you to the chargers. And, and of course, you know, you will know that I had pretty strong feelings about Jeff Howard myself, but listen, uh, Brandon Staley is the head coach of the chargers. And you can say what you want about him as a head coach. Uh, he is one of the, best defensive minds in the game of football. Uh, Giro Evero is a defensive coordinator who you know I'm rather fond of, is the new defensive coordinator in Carolina, and apparently Howard had a, an offer from the Panthers as well. These are two bright young defensive minds and they both wanted Jeff Howard, so I am here to hold my hand up and say I was wrong about Jeff Howard. I'm not saying Mike was right. Let's just be clear about that. I mean, but, that's
3: what I hear. <laughs>
2: all I'm saying is that Jeff Howard did not come across well in his media appearances in Cleveland. And I i mean, one of the points that you made that I do think is correct is that people rush to blame the defensive backs coach for miscommunications in the secondary when those could have their roots in a lot of different places. Uh, regardless, it's obvious that he is a well-thought-of coach um, who is, you know, moving on to en- enhance his career. He's, co- he's coaching inside linebackers instead of defensive backs. He's obviously trying to, uh, develop his skill set with an eye towards becoming a defensive coordinator. So, um, Howard, you know, is a guy that I think caught a lot of hate in Cleveland. And I, you know, now I'm thinking I wouldn't be surprised if he's a defensive coordinator in the next few years.
3: Yeah. Again, uh, the, uh, the ultimate, uh, bottom line to all of this is that of course, with a new defensive coordinator after a two, not very fun seasons back to back, right. You're gonna have the turnover. But again, turnover for the sake of turnover, it's it's the same thing, you know. We just went through the NBA, just went through the trade deadline. Making trades right. just for the sake of making trades doesn't just inherently make you better, right? Turnover for the sake of turnover doesn't make you better. And there's got to be purposes to things. And that was my that was always my point in talking. I don't really give a shit about Jeff Howard, to be honest right. with you. Right. For me, though, it was if if you've just hired Jim Schwartz and he wants Jeff Howard and they're going to be able to work together, then let's yeah. see this thing through. Yep. But, uh, so Jeff Howard, uh, we saw uh, Eco OBR here. Glad to hear that Kiffin is moving on. That is the indication, at least, uh, Kiffin is a, Chris Kiffin is a, uh, I think the last thing I saw was like a favorite to land a job with the Texans, I believe.
2: Yeah, I think it's the same job, but in Houston, yeah.
3: Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's coming. It's here.
2: The, yeah, I, I think again, I think people just have to
3: realize I know the Browns haven't played in a long time. <laughs> but the season ended yesterday. Right. The season ended yesterday, and there's a lot of guys now who were are waiting. That it's a holding yeah. game. Where where are these coordinators for Philly gonna go? Where are they gonna right. wind up? Where yeah. are where are guys that are gonna get poached from Kansas City? Where are they gonna wind up? All these people are sitting here waiting just to see what's kind of gonna happen around the league. Yeah, it takes a minute for the dust to settle after the season, and so I know the Browns were pretty quick to make a hire with their defensive coordinator. But you know, now they got to you know you're not you're hiring guys that you got to get the right fit for the right system, and and Jim Schwartz has got to get the right guys, and it just is going to take a minute. So I think everybody, you know, it's it's kind of that sigh of relief. They've all right, all right. They've, a couple of these guys that people really want to gone are apparently going to be gone. One definitely, right. another right. one looks like he's going to be gone. And now, and now it's just a wait-and-see game. But I, it doesn't seem like there needs to be any rush on this at the moment.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think your, your point about uh, the, some of the coaches from Philadelphia that Jim Schwartz worked with um, getting loose, you know, uh, would be one thing to watch. Um, you know, there's a pretty good defensive staff in Arizona. Uh, some of those guys getting loose if Jonathan Gannon goes there would be Another thing that might move this along, I mean, obviously now they have to make at least one, possibly two hires. Um, You know, the other thing I'll just say is I listened to, uh, since the last time we spoke, I I listened to the Jim Schwartz interview on Cleveland Browns Daily, uh, which I would encourage you all to listen to because, you know, it's one of those 20-minute interviews where they really dig in. Uh, And I I just, the, the thing that I took away from it more than anything is that Schwartz talked specifically about communication issues and explaining things clearly Simplifying things for players uh, a few times, and so it wouldn't surprise me uh, if, still, even with these changes, we don't see a ton of turnover at the position coach level on the defense. i I think that I think the story from from the front office and and head coach of the Browns is that Joe Woods made things more complicated than they need to be a lot of times, and. And and not they think heard. they've got the players and the system for the most part to do what they need to do if they just get out of their own way. That's I mean you listen to that interview from Jim Schwartz. He basically said that. Yeah. So um, that's my takeaway. And I I think you know uh, whether or not that's true, obviously uh, time will tell. But that seems to be kind of the the thinking. Is it's not a burn it down to the you know to the ground and and rake through the ashes situation. They are looking to take a lot of what they've already done and build on it and 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 kind of hit the ground running.
3: Yeah, well, we'll have to see. Again, uh, the season officially over today, the first day of the NFL offseason and a lot of stuff coming up. Obviously, uh, we're going to be talking draft. We're going to be talking free agents. We're going to be yeah. talking trades. And the OBR is going to cover it like nobody else. But uh, listen, the Super Bowl is in the books. The Kansas City Chiefs are champions. Joe Thomas is a Hall of Famer. And my beer is gone. And so now we're going to call it. It's time to call it for this episode of Unscripted. Uh, It's been awesome. It's been a blast. Thank you to everybody that joined us in the comments. Uh, Love that you guys are really a part of the show. Uh, You're not just over there in the comments, but we love having you as part of the show. Even Philly, he came looking for a fight tonight. You're not going to get one. You're not going to get one. I already already brought you up. I already brought you up. Uh, So uh, real quick, again, back to the OBR Get over there. Get subscribed. A lot of great stuff going on on the OBR as far as writing content is concerned uh, as well as the streaming network. Tomorrow, again, we might have franchise mode. We might not. I'll just wait for Andrew to text me on that. uh, (laughs)
2: Jake's going to have a show tomorrow, and I think I'm going to join him, but it's Valentine's Day, so you know.
3: Okay. Yeah. I don't know. No. I don't. I got a show on
2: Valentine's Day, and that is... That takes (laughs) precedence. Okay. Well... (laughs) that's married <laughs> life for you in a nutshell
3: yeah pretty much uh no we'll see, what's going on. Me alone. we'll see what's going on with the seven o'clock hour uh the nine o'clock hour again uh we are joined on garage beers by uh, uh curtis danberg the vp of communication for the cleveland guardians we're going to talk a little baseball and we're going to talk about the Cavs and the blue jackets and the super bowl and all that stuff garage beer is going to be a good time tomorrow at nine o'clock Wednesday at seven o'clock it's OBR weekly with Fred and Barry and then Thursday it's all eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward at 8 p.m. it's a packed schedule here in the offseason on the streaming network and we love that you guys all take a, uh, take the time to be a part of it so that's going to do it for us for Andrew go follow him at Andrew Spade for me I'm Michael Keefe follow me at Garage Pierce Mike this has been unscripted till next week see you later cheers go Browns everybody